Welcome to the Light Lounge. This is Thomas. I'm a lighting designer in New York City. Welcome everyone to the Light Lounge. In this week's Light Lounge, we speak about the importance of movement and well-being in space. Therefore, I speak with the wonderful Lindsay Dieter, who is an expert in that. Lindsay is a lighting designer at HLB Lighting Design. HLB is the largest lighting design company in at least North America. And Lindsay has a background in dance, in architecture. She has a background as a retail store designer at Lululemon. And now she is responsible at HLB for the lighting design for a national boutique fitness club. Everyone who is in New York should definitely know Lindsay because she's like an all-star lighting designer. And for everyone who doesn't know her, please get to know her and enjoy this week's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Light Lounge. I am sitting here today with Lindsay. Lindsay Dieter. And the lounge today is actually, where are we, Lindsay? So can you describe a little bit? Because audio is always like cinema for the, for the, for the ears. Where are we? In, and can you describe a little bit this beautiful apartment here? So, yes, we are in my home, my apartment in Carroll Gardens. And sitting in my kitchen, and it, it is lovely if you could see it. Um, there's tons of windows, and that's really ultimately why my first roommate and myself picked this apartment because of the incredible amount of natural light. So, yeah, I spend as much time in this kitchen as I can for that reason. So we have a beautiful wood table. We have beautiful plants. And, uh, yeah, that's actually one of the key points, I think, is daylight and that's it's so and i'm starting with a rant and and you will get your, get your time <laughs> but it is so crazy to me that the that we as lighting designers are just just sub consultants for architects whereas the 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 amount of rent or the real estate is valued by the amount of daylight mm -hmm. or view you get in an apartment putting that aside I said, we, us as lighting designers, Lindsay, what are you, where you're from? Give us a little bit of back, a little bit of background about yourself. Okay. I will tell you all about that, but to not <laughs> discount your point, um, <laughs> I do, I do feel so strongly about the home, um, and how it makes you feel. And I'm sure that will come up later at some point, but, um, I think especially in a city like this, it's, you really, you need a place to, you know, ground your feet and, um, uh, re-energize and a space that makes you feel good. And so, yeah, I don't say it lightly or you don't bring it up. It's important. Lightly. It's, yeah. Right. Um, it's this, it's the only space for refuge where you can sort of detach yourself from mm -hmm. everyone else. Right. Because you are never alone. Completely. Yeah. And the only space you can be alone, it can't be the restroom by itself right <laughs> it, it it miserable exactly yeah so there needs there need to be more breakout spaces yes spaces. very much yeah. um but yeah so where to begin how much time do you have um so i am from canada i grew up in calgary which is in western canada for anyone whose geography of canada is as bad as mine in the u.s um i grew up dancing my entire life um I 
continued that forward and I trained in a contemporary ballet company uh, for a few years and kind of, you know, mixed in with all of this, I was starting to understand, okay, so, you know, pursuing dance professionally is an option and this exists, uh, but I, I just had an itch that there was more. Um, and I actually, I should take one step back um, because when I was little, my dream job was to be an architect. Like when someone asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said an architect. Um, and I spent my weekends as a child at, you know, my dad's office because he worked with architects and I built like small buildings out of paper and showed all of his cool friends. And I loved like my favorite activity. This is going to make me sound like such a nerd, but I loved going to show homes um, when I was little. Like, like, yeah, open houses, basically. Oh, I wanted to go to them all the time. For for sale or? Uh, homes that were for sale, but basically anyone could walk through, like as a prospective buyer. So what? I would beg my parents to bring me to show homes, and I would just run around. That's super interesting. And go into each of the rooms and pick out my room and basically just, like, imagine what life would be like in the space. Wow. So. Uh, what, it's, what was it's, the most interesting one? Shocking stuff? Um... To be honest, I don't have one. I think it's just overall, I was always, I've always been curious about space. And so I think yeah. it's actually quite fitting that you started this conversation with the home. But um, that was really like, you know, what excited me the most as a small child. Yeah. So that existed. And then I was very active as a dancer and coming back to, um, what I was saying before about pursuing dance professionally. Um, but I was always questioning and I think it was for reasons of like, you know, how can, what's my contribution, um, in this field kind of through dance and there wasn't enough there for me. And so I also had some injuries and, you know, there were other reasons where it just kind of made that not the right path. So I, um, did my undergrad in kinesiology. Yeah, I read that and I, <laughs> I had just, I had trouble it's just pronouncing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not an overly common like degree stream, so you're not alone in that. But kinesiology is basically the study of the body in motion um, is kind of the best way to describe it. And mm -hmm. in uh, University of Calgary, there were eight streams. And so I was in exercise physiology, which really looks at kind of the, well, the physiology of the body and chemical systems and processes. Um, but, you know, there's also biomechanics, which I was interested in. And overall, this was very relevant to me. Um, mm -hmm. And it kind of, you know, puts a nice like parentheses on this first part of my life, which has been all around the body in motion, be mm -hmm. it I was dancing or, um, you know, studying kinesiology. And so this really like solidified this section for me as far as what are because i've heard it like lighting design itself it's probably the same it's like you don't hear it very often mm -hmm. at least i didn't yeah what do people usually do with it what is like a job trajectory mm -hmm. to what yeah what yeah that's a good question um so you can become an exercise physiologist which basically means you will live somewhere in the realm of doing physical testing on athletes, mm -hmm. um, you know, athletic testing for sports teams or for firefighters, anyone who has any sort of athletic kind of output. Yeah. You can work within that. 
I was super fascinated by the prospect of, um, well, two things. One, the design of footwear. So uh, the abstract documentary um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the Nike shoe designer, you can get into that where you start to understand like, okay, this is how the body moves. These are how these things affect the body and Mm -hmm. designing within that. Yeah. And then I was also very interested in um, basically exercise psychology. So how the movement of the body or how, I mean, I speak of it this way, but sports training, athletics um, impacts your mental state and well-being. Uh, And I always found it crazy. This could be a tangent, but um, when it really hit me was my professor who did a lot of training with Olympic athletes and work with them Mm -hmm. said, the best way that I can describe this to you or convey this to you is imagine putting four years of your life into something like you dedicate every waking hour for four years and you have 30 seconds to show for that is the life of an Olympic athlete. And so Mm -hmm. the amount of mental strain that that can put on you is crazy. Um, And so anyways, that was, that was fascinating and wild to me. Um, so I, so you did, sorry that I'm mm-hmm. interrupting. Did you, so you sort of were dancing, was it ballet? You started with ballet? Yeah, I was in, I was a mixed, um, bag of many tricks when I was young, but then, okay. um, when I actually started training in a company, it was contemporary dance and ballet. Okay. And then, okay. So just continuing, this is like sort of the, your foundation, mm-hmm. what sort of, and that's also my intention why i think this is so valuable for anyone who's listening because you are so what i absolutely admire and i think is like the most important of our work is like how we actually feel and respond to spaces Mm -hmm. what happened after you graduated from (laughs) kinesiology i like how you say it better um so i so i actually i started my degree then i took a year off i moved to vancouver i danced professionally for a year At that same time, I started working for Lululemon, and I continued that for six years. Um, But after a year in Vancouver dancing, I then came back and finished my three years of kinesiology. Graduated, was still working for Lululemon, and continued on. Who's Lululemon? Lululemon is a yoga and athletic apparel company. Amazing. Make yoga clothes. Amazing. Um, And what? happened there was very important. I love um, the name, Lululemon. Lululemon. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of like both, well, so self-development work and leadership training, which was amazing. And that kind of helped clarify in this moment of like, what's my contribution to the world? What am I going to pursue? And then the second thing was I was in visual merchandising and then moved into store design. And so this started to reignite this like spatial curiosity for me. And um, I was a visual merchandising trainer for some time um, in leadership, which allowed me to kind of see how to make an impact, um, you know, on the team with merchandising Mm -hmm. and then went to Vancouver for store design. And so then that really... Uh, I started to get very unsettled with my life because I realized I could stay with this company very comfortably for the rest of my life. Like there was, I had no complaints. Um, It was wonderful. And then I realized how uninspiring that was to just, you know, kind of 
throw in the towel in this very comfortable moment and think like, ah, here we go. Um, it just wasn't enough. And so I started asking bigger questions as to, you know, basically how I would make a contribution um, beyond this role. And I got really stuck because initially I saw it as I was either going to be in health and wellness and movement. That was option A. Mm-hmm. Or I was going to be in design and that was option B. And it, I mean, ooh, like woe is me, big problem choosing between two exciting things. But um, then a friend of mine who actually lives in New York now, his name's Tyler Pertman, if you're listening, thanks for this. Um, we were having a conversation and I was, you know, discussing this dilemma and all he said was, why can't you have both? Why do you need to choose? Um, and this moment has stuck with me for a a very long time. Um, because at that moment I realized you don't have to choose. You can have everything that you want in life. You just need to go get it, you know, and that that's easier said than done. Like it's not, (laughs) it is not that simple. Um, but I think there is huge validity in the power of just like putting it out into the universe with gusto, Mm -hmm. um, and pushing for it because the worst that can happen is it won't happen. Um, but if you're in pursuit of big things, um, you know, the, of course, things conspire. So, uh, at that moment, then what happened was, I applied for the Parsons um, summer program, which is basically for everyone. Uh, I was definitely one of these people who doesn't have a background in design, has a lot to learn, and they <laughs> need to uh, six-week boot camp you. Um, you also yeah. did this, right? I had to yes. do it as well. Absolutely not. Um, it was I had experience. I did not know what I was doing there. I was treated. Oh I, was, I was in the boot camp. It was, it was a lot. Big time. Um, but it was so much and I felt so excited by the lack of sleep I was getting and cool shit I was making that I basically I just realized I could not go back to my very comfortable, cozy life in Calgary. And you decided for pain. I did. I chose <laughs> the <laughs> um, I signed up for three years of no sleep um, and basically this crazy lifestyle. But I just realized I couldn't, I could not um, go back to my life. And so I basically weaseled my way into the um, interior design master's program. It started in two weeks. Uh, it was full. I, I basically just badgered Parsons so intensely that I think they got so sick of me that they just had <laughs> let her in. Um, and I, Uh, flew home I quit my job uh, a few days later and then 10 days later I moved to New York well and here we are so uh, I'm coming off if I (laughs) no no, that's fine um going on forever but uh then yeah I just I started in the interior design master's program I had initially only um enrolled in that and then uh but I always appreciated was that you paid always very close attention while we were sitting at our desks being super focused on getting either writing, drawing, conceptually figuring out that we would either stretch or we would we would initiate different types of movement and to like just like <laughs> get a different what exactly what you just said a little bit before was that motion motion 
like emotion follows motion. Mm -hmm. And like there are so many studies from Harvard where you would stand like in a in like a hero position for like yeah, two minutes. Completely, I do this in the bathroom all the everything, time. Everything, <laughs> everything changes. Why don't you do it like in public? <gasps> I mean, you're right. You're right. I should not. I should not closet that. Well, I do it as well in in the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, yes, but it should, it. it should. It should. This should happen everywhere all the time. But it's true. I basically in you know in throwing myself into this crazy you know, three yeah. years of sitting at your desk for 17 hours a day and yeah. not sleeping. And, you know, like your body position just goes, uh, you know, from being formerly very open to closed and awful. And that really, to be honest, was probably the most, yeah, as we both sit up <laughs> straight right now, uh, whoopsies, that was really the most um, important thing for me was experiencing that because I started to you know, I had been, I was working for Lululemon and I was dancing, like I was up and moving around all, all the, time. the time. And I, yes, I understood that people sit at a desk all day, but I had never done it for myself. Yeah. And when I started, it was awful. Yeah. I hated every minute of it. And I thought, you know, we can't, we cannot eliminate the need for the computer or seated tasks or standing tasks, tasks requiring some level of stillness, but it needs to look differently. Like yeah. it cannot look like this yeah. um, because we're all going to, shrivel into sad awful like <laughs> sitting is the new smoking yeah it's true it really is um among many other things but so yeah then i continued to be <laughs> dissatisfied this is a a theme i think um you know with basically just like um the status quo or this kind of um assumed way of designing assumed way of um, existing in a could be office environment in this case it was a creative environment yeah and the only the only thing that really fueled me creatively is when I would stand up I go for a walk I would you know pull myself away from my desk I would go to yoga for an hour um, you know I basically went from being hyper mobile to sitting at a desk you know to the opposite and so for me, I made damn sure that every day I did three minutes of yoga. I basically did three sun salutations every day for three years. And I ran, you know, once or twice a week if I could. But it was the only way that I could, you know, um, I could <laughs> survive this, I think. Yeah. And so. And I think that that's why. That's why I think like yoga, meditation, like everything from like a headspace to any kind of places where people are actually asking, how do I feel today? How mm -hmm. do you feel? Is so important to sort of check in much more with your body, how you feel, how you A, treat yourself and B, what potentially you need to adjust or to change in order to feel better. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, is so exciting. And maybe we, we continue about, like, um, all you had, like, some some tests or, or side classes where people would move through space mm -hmm. and have, like, a connection through material and surfaces and how they would respond. And I think what is why this conversation today I'm, I'm so happy about because I think we both value to a certain extent, not to a certain extent, to, like, a significant extent um, that our environment in terms of material surface quality of details and of course most important lighting can mm -hmm. sort of change our space yeah completely. and that's maybe it's like a bigger 
that's exactly the conversation we're having right now. But my thesis sort of is that in spaces where we take off or or leave our clothes away, like in a yoga space, like in a spa space, mm -hmm. like in a yeah, in kind of a private restroom or in your bathroom where the protective layer of skin, oh, I'm sorry, the prote protective layer of fashion is not there anymore, where the connection between the space mm -hmm. is between skin and wall or material or wood or stone is so important in color and light is like then sort of the the mediator that controls how you feel in the space. Right. And so I would say it's fortunate that, you know, you think this way, I see this way, designers, you know, we hope all consider these things. Um, but what I started to take huge issue with is that if we are designing these spaces that, you know, are meant to make us feel alive and well and all of these things, how could we, how could we even begin to do that from this like static, stagnant, seated position for hours and hours and hours on end in front of a screen? And I still don't know the answer, but I set some parameters for myself during my thesis research that basically I would spend 50% of my kind of design research time um, moving through it and, you know, 50% a more conventional way of uh, research and design and sketching. So I started what you were bringing up before, a kind of movement research um, project called MLab, which is still going on. And basically it was really just, you know, bringing people into a space and exploring ideas through movement instead of, um, you know, in a seated position mm -hmm. sketching. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't exactly know what answers, you know, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what I was looking for, but I just started kind of asking questions. Um, and what started to come up during that time is that, you know, it's really, um, you and I will be fine uh, in <laughs> in life, in the sense that everyone who's listening, you're you're you, <laughs> you're not you're in trouble. You're in trouble. No, um, but I'm not worried about the people so much who have you know this. Um, they move. They uh, see the importance in um, physical health and well-being, and mm -hmm. um, you know, creating spaces that make you feel good. I'm concerned about the people who don't have this sensitivity, which is, you know, many people. I'm very desensitized to many things, um, but I'm I'm overall concerned about our gen, you know, general population who does things a certain way over and over again because that's just how we do them. Like we sit on the chair because there's always been a chair that looks like this. We type at a computer in this position because the keyboard is designed this way. We open a door a certain way because all the doorknobs look the same. Um, and there's no reason to do otherwise. But I think that there is because it just creates this pattern, you know, of repetitive motion. And I think uh, carpal, we think about carpal tunnel syndrome with like clicking a mouse over and over again. But if you think about the crazy number of things that we do the same over and over and over again every day. It's the same shit. Like we, you know, this repetitive motion exists yeah. everywhere in our life. And I think as designers, 
it is so important to think about this and to not just design the table the way we normally would um, because it, you know, just furthers this same repeated pattern. I think pattern. We, just, we just have to shift our the repetition from doing stupid repetition mm -hmm. to more considerate repetition right from like doing like a like a like a non-stimulating repetition that we do without thinking about mm -hmm. it to like okay i exercise being more aware being more conscious about something right and Som i yeah, mm -hmm. sorry yeah <laughs> something that i something that i recognized is that i think it's a very nice example if if people would pay and would pay more attention to light as a just as a signal the noise pollution in new york city would be like much much more mu hmm. would be much more reduced right mm -hmm. because if people like the reason why people honk all the time mm -hmm. at every intersection is that just that they don't trust that people pay attention to the red light. Right. People just take it as like a recommendation, <laughs> yeah. right? Or But not quick enough. Or not quick enough. And yeah. people, if people would actually, would stop at a red light, cars would not have the need mm -hmm. to honk every mm -hmm. time what is like a stupid train thing in itself. Right. And they could sort of rely on, yes, I have like the green light. Mm -hmm. I can drive with caution, but I don't need to honk all the time. Right. And what is, I think, so, what is so obvious And that's that's at the same time a little bit the, the the problem and question as well. So we are basically again in the same boat of just like asking questions. How can we create better, more awareness for um, for 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 light, mm -hmm. of course, or for the higher sensitivity for our environment and how we feel in space? Because um, and now I lost my point. Because because that's. Because everyone has such a high pain level until mm -hmm. they realize, okay, <laughs> it's actually the light that can cause something negative here. But at the same time, light can, in the other direction, create such a crazy positive change mm -hmm. in how we feel in space. Did you have any? Did you have any finding further out of the M Lab? studies what was there were patterns probably as well how mm -hmm. people reacted to things how people did things have you did you um i mean it to be honest it really has generated more questions than answers and i'm i'm happy with this because i think really like for everyone it's about being sensitive to what's going on around you and being as present as possible mm -hmm. in each moment so that you can pick up on these things and respond to them, be aware of them, be dissatisfied, ask more questions, make change. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the workshops was specifically around light and it was in a theatrical setting and since it was in a dance studio basically. So I had theatrical fixtures and, um, You know, I basically created a series of lighting conditions. Some were static and <clears throat> some moved and changed. And it was it was nothing more, and I'm oversimplifying, but simply to watch people respond to the changes in light because the, the thing is, is that I set them up to do that by bringing people into a studio. You know, you warm them up um, with some movement. You kind of frame it. It's like, okay, we're ready to be in a room with light. And so people are sensitive to it. But I think, you know, this is, it's kind of how all scientific experiments start. You know, you have your controlled variables and you're manipulated so that you can understand what's actually going on. 
But then the transition is how do you apply that to the built environment that we actually live in when there's five million other things going on and you don't have control? Um, so then, you know, this brought up more kind of ways basically to just um, explore this and put it on people's radar, I think, make people aware of the impact of um, light on the way that we feel in a space. Mm -hmm. And a um, very dear friend of mine, Yulia, and I uh, started a art project um, and created a piece called Proximities that was um, basically addressing um, the experience of sharing space in a densely populated environment and, you know, how we can be physically very close to people but emotionally d very disconnected, whether we're on our phones or we're just kind of closed. And, uh, you know, we, we really just wanted to put people in a experience where they couldn't turn away. Um, they couldn't, they didn't have the option mm -hmm. to go on their cell phone or mm -hmm. disconnect or on the subway, put their headphones in. They just had to look at another human being and look at them in the eyes and remember the power of that. And I'm looking at you in the eyes, <laughs> making, freaking yeah, out. <laughs> making you smiling and nervous. I just said, yeah. Like, look at his eyes for it. But it's like, we, you know, that's, it's such a simple thing and it's so easy to, you know, use many, you know, other distractions to not do this. And we, um, in addition to this, we then were very curious around, you know, how, how potentially in a neutral, um, moment between two people, if you are lit in a certain way, you know, if there's a spotlight on your face and it's casting harsh shadows, my perception of you and connection to you is completely different than if you were lit, you know, with a kind of soft, diffuse lighter. You know, we're in my apartment right now and the lighting feels beautiful and lovely. And it does. <laughs> if it was, you know, some, some other way, this conversation would probably shake down a lot differently. And so it, it was a, a really interesting way to basically, um, you know, explore how, you know, just variation in light uh, impacts our connection with other people in space. And it was shortlisted at the Dark Awards. It was, Who, which was everyone else wants cool. to see it. The Dark um, Awards are still happening, right? It's just yes, at the they moment, are. At, um, at the time we record this, mm -hmm. yeah. So you all got to vote. And but yeah, we, I think uh, that's something I'm excited to continue or, you know, it's basically, it's a platform to continue yeah. exploring this. Yeah. So let us make a step forward after your exploration from dancing and your big approach <laughs> to the need and want to combine all your mm -hmm. interests yeah it seems like that at um so you're at the moment a lighting designer at yes. hlb yes hlb um is horton horton lee's brogdon design. in new york for yes. everyone who doesn't know it's i think the the largest in terms it of is, people yeah there's it's the largest um lighting design firm in north america Yeah. And we have six offices across the US. So it's pretty cool. It's a amazing um like team to be a part of. Um and there you are there you are able to combine sort of sports and movement and light. How do you do that there? I mean, so really what it uh you know came down to you have these big ideas and 
yes, you can explore them in a, um, artistic way and set your own parameters and constraints. Um, and then you also should try them under many constraints of, you know, challenging clients, um, budget, all of these things. And Hello everyone. I must quickly jump in here. In the next portion, Lindsay and I had been speaking about an amazing fitness club in North America. She is responsible for the lighting design and we were very, very excited. Unfortunately, we found out afterwards that we have to woo the brand name of the fitness club because of a non-disclosure agreement. In order to keep the conversation in flow and not to cut up the whole conversation, we will just woo the company's brand name. Enjoy. I've been fortunate to be working on woo gyms for the past year or so. So we um, have come on as the lighting designer woo, and are doing the lighting design for mm -hmm. most of their clubs across the country. And that's been um, very exciting in the sense that they're a great client and it's beautiful design. Did you grab for it or did it fall in place? It was a bit of both. <laughs> um, I knew it existed and then I grabbed for it <laughs> pretty intensely. Um, yeah, and it's uh, that's you know, that's been amazing as far as, uh, furthering my, um, growth as a designer and project manager and, you know, just really understanding how to navigate some challenging, uh, architecture and, you know, construction teams and also some lovely ones. Um, but it really does come down, you know, it comes back to what I said that I'm not worried about the people in the gym because, well, so I should rephrase they at least have it in their routine, in their minds to go and be active. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still concerned about them from nine to five. And when they go home... You talk about the users yes, of the space. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so really, <laughs> I'm worried about everyone. But at least, <laughs> you know, the people that are going there, they're getting some movement in. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you know, I, have, I just have some big beef um, in life that I <laughs> really need to address and that's how we can encourage physical movement through design that's and so that's the, the big beef is not moving enough correct yeah yes and so um that's what i'm really in pursuit of um doing as a designer that's yeah are there any do you like with your with your experience as like a retail space designer mm -hmm. and now Woo! are there things that are very special to this space or do you have do you have that are there is there like some sort of a i don't know like a rule book or something mm -hmm. that you say okay the the showers need to be always like this or because now we are like re that's that's on the one hand the beauty and at the same time the challenge of light right that we that we uh, speak we start speaking about one thing but it becomes like at the same time so many different things at the same or at the same time so we talk about of course corporate lighting when you have like a client that has like multiple branches mm -hmm. how do we establish like a sort of rhythm that people come into a space and mm -hmm. they recognize it and have the same or similar feeling as like from new york to san francisco or whatever right uh yeah this is a very good point that you bring up because there is a difference in maintaining brand consistency, uh, which has very strongly, and you know many brands do. 
that is one thing. And then the other thing is just continuing to do things the way we have always done them because that's just how we've always done them. And this... Well, always have done them on a conscious level as lighting designers under like the given premises, what works, what doesn't work, what support the human body. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there, there are guidelines for a reason as far as how much light we need in certain spaces right. from a functional level. Mm -hmm. And um, this has been challenging, great and challenging, because we did lighting design standards. And so it was both great to set them high, but then also I shot myself in the foot because I created a rule book that, you know, basically, because that's what people want. They want consistency and I can give this to anyone and, you know, they would design it in a way that's consistent and on brand. Um, but, you know, it's, it's actually been good for me because I created that rule book and it's also my responsibility to push back against the rules that I myself <laughs> created as far as, you know, the, Your entry experience into a lobby does not need to look the same every time. You don't need to, even though consistently there is, you know, the vertical surface at the back is lit and uh, there's, you know, a, a decorative um, chandelier, some mm -hmm. special moment. And then there's, you know, toe lighting under the desk. Yeah, cool. But then also what is the bigger picture of how you, you know, intend for people to enter into the space and that may not be applicable every time. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy just to follow it because mm -hmm. it's consistent. And I think yeah. ultimately <laughs> with the use of many words to describe a simple thing, that's what I'm, you know, hoping that's not hoping stop that. That's what I am challenging. And that's what I want us all to challenge is, um, you know, rethinking the way that we, do things and being sensitive to the context um, so that we can respond appropriately. Mm. I think there's so much valuable. What, uh, what you just said is that yes, on the one hand, there needs to be variety in order to make it um, like in one space appealing or more interesting at, at the same time in a larger scale that you have actually a different, a different, you have like one main identity of a space, but then you have like little key things in the space that is like different in New York mm -hmm. to like the one different in San Francisco, just right. an example, right? Um, but what I, what I think is what in, in interior spaces we are so uh, kind of looking for is that to actually create some sort of consistency, at least the consistency in how the lighting is designed not necessarily how like it is designed in a space meaning mm -hmm. it can be consistent while it is not completely diffuse or right. completely like scenographic mm -hmm. why i think this is important is that i think lighting can and that's sort of my coming back to like sort of a meditation space mm -hmm. or a yoga space where you enter and we are Our lives are so busy, so changing already that I think lighting can actually give a huge amount of stability mm -hmm. where, yeah. you, where you come into Absolutely. a space and you know, wow, this is my, and now we are sort of coming back to the beginning of the conversation, mm -hmm. to the space of our refuge where we have a consistency and we know when we go into the space, mm -hmm. when we go into this bar, when we go into this spa, when we go into this restaurant, we will feel 
a certain way how we treat us and how we feel in a space. I think that's that's super important mm -hmm. and that's an amazing power light has and at the same time can give consistency and then like changing the feeling of a space. Right. Like yeah. from the entrance area, someone is entering a building and sort of takes you at the hand at the hand mm -hmm. and greets you yeah. and then takes you onto like a journey of activation or mm -hmm. relaxation or stuff like that. Yeah. And I think um, it really, you know, it requires nothing more than uh, thoughtfulness and, uh, you know, just questioning um, every moment of the design process. And I'm not suggesting that we reinvent the wheel every time at all um, in our homes, in the way we design, in our daily life. It doesn't, you know, it's not about that. It's just, it's simply, um, I think, yeah, just uh, curiosity around um, why we do things, you know, this way or um, just attention to detail as to how, you know, how do I want this to feel or what makes me feel good um, instead of, you know, a applying uh, a blanket approach or just kind of disconnecting, you know, if it's like the, <laughs> the subway, you know, thing where we all just like tune out, it's like, no, that's not, that's not <laughs> the, the approach um, in the way that we design spaces and the way that we, yeah, fashion our homes and the places that make us feel good. It requires a greater sensitivity and connection than that. That was very lovely, Lindsay. Um, what is your, what is your sort of last, um, what's your let me rephrase what's your beginning thought for everyone who's listening what should everyone pay more att attention to to have to follow a better intention how we are in our lives oof that's it the biggest beef of course yeah. move, move, <laughs> movement yeah. right um move more i mean but i would say you know and it's funny because at this moment I've broken my foot and so what was previously a pretty mobile life I'm now also Static. asking myself this question but but it's actually it's quite amazing because um it's just it's forcing me to feel my body in space in a different way mm -hmm. um and I think if anything that would be <laughs> my hopeful takeaway message for everyone is really um, to just pay attention and slow down and be present in what you are doing. And enjoy walking without a broken enjoy foot as long as you can. Enjoy walking without a cast as long as you can. But really, um, <laughs> you know, pay attention to the, the way that you feel um, when you're sitting down at your desk, the way that you feel when you're making coffee. And, you know, or When, when you feel tight and anxious and tense, like that doesn't mean that you just need to go have a drink or go, you know, um, eat some, put candy this, like have or, some candy, put it, slap a bandaid on it. Like yeah. just take a moment, take five seconds, take a deep breath and understand what is making you feel this way. Um, and you know, I can't help it and neither of us can, but as designers, like understanding how spaces make you feel. And when you're in these moments of anxiety or whatever it is, 
um, what is your environment like and, you know, what, what environment makes you feel more relaxed. And I think, yeah, overall the take home message is to, um, open up to, uh, the way that you feel, um, in certain spaces and just question it. I would like to underline it. And I, I think, yes, lighting or material in a space is not life-changing well it can be mm -hmm. but it's not life crucial right but once you pay attention to it you just add so much more awareness love and treatment for yourself mm -hmm. that can change your life in a very very meaningful way completely um i think it is it's just having a low tolerance for <laughs> mediocre existence yeah. Yeah. you know it's like take pride in your home make it you know, fashion it in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Take pride in your work. Take pride in your body. Do things that, you know, fuel fuel you and make you feel good. <laughs> Take a ton of pride in everything that you do and, you know, never get comfortable. I will definitely give you a hug in a second, yes. Lindsay. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Bye. Bye. And that was the conversation I had with Lindsay this week, talking about the well-being, movement and well-being in and through space. If you want to say hi to Lindsay and see what she's up to, check out her Instagram under LindsayDeeter, one word, or her practice profile, Embodied Architecture, on Instagram as well. If you want to say hi to me and give recommendations to the weekly interviews of the Light Lounge coming up every Monday, just say hi on Instagram or LinkedIn. Just find my name. Instagram is Thomas underscore Mnich and LinkedIn is Thomas Mnich. Well, as always, I wish you a wonderful week. I speak to you next Monday again. Um, these episodes are very exciting. I'm very happy for, uh, I'm very happy that you are part of this little journey and I wish you all the best from New York City. Bye.